Workplace psychological safety is the most pressing need we have today. But do you have the tools to transform a toxic workplace into a psychologically safe one? We have a course for that. It is called From Tormentor to Mentor, Building a Psychologically Safe Workplace. With this self-study three-hour online course, you can equip yourself and your organization to understand workplace bullying and harassment. More importantly, our course shows you how to build a foundation for a safe and healthy workplace using the SWELL principle, safety, well-being, encouragement, and learning. Elimination of bullying will only work if a foundation of psychological workplace safety has been intentionally built and maintained. Go to shiftworkplace.co slash tormentor to mentor to learn more. That's shiftworkplace.co slash tormentor to mentor. Hello, Culture and Leadership Connections listeners. Today, I am honored to bring to you Amy Lynn Jerem. Amy Lynn Jerem is the author of Create Magic at Work and is a sought-after executive coach. She uses her skills as a corporate mystic to bring spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence to energize and transform the workplace. She is a UC Berkeley certified executive coach and an emotional intelligence practitioner who spent years in the corporate world successfully managing hundreds of employees for private and publicly traded companies. As an expert in building positive company cultures, Amy designed Create Magic at Work to bring a variety of services and strategies to aid in cultivating teamwork and harmony in order to improve profits and employee morale. Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, welcome. I'm excited to talk to you too. You gave us a really interesting bio. I'm going to be digging into what you mentioned for spiritual intelligence and emotional intelligence a little bit more Mm -hmm. and about how you create magic at work. But let's just sort of start (laughs) with who you are and what you do. Sure. So I used to be an executive in the corporate space, retail and sales. And I just found that working in that arena after a long period of time, I felt like my creativity was getting stifled. And what I wanted to do was sort of leave that space and then get a little bit more training and re-inject myself back in to bring heart and human connection to the workplace. So I made a really large plan to leave my job and exit the corporate space. I attended UC Berkeley Executive Coaching Institute. And then over a series of long uh, ups and downs as an entrepreneur, I wrote the book Create Magic at Work. And then I just recently trademarked the brand Create Magic at Work. And it's all about bringing authentic connection and bringing the human back to the workplace. When we were speaking before the podcast, you talked about how you felt you were sort of a divided self and you had this one side of you that was the corporate world and one side that was the personal world that was exploring other aspects of your life. And then you started to be able to bring some of those things into the workplace. Do you mind talking a little bit more about that? Yes. So I was definitely splitting myself when I think back. I would leave my house and I would be corporate Amy showing up to work and, you know, super competitive to a fault. Really, I would step on anybody to get ahead and win. And I did win. Um, This is the old Amy. And (laughs) when I would go back home, I really was yearning for uh, something more. And I had an awakening around 2010, 2011 that really changed my life. I I went through some tough times or what some people might call the dark night of the soul, (laughs) where I had some bumps in the road in my life, almost died, actually. 
And then I sort of embarked on this spiritual path and looking for a higher meaning on how I can give back. And as I was working, I was still going to work and leaving my mystical side at home. And I felt very split. So what I started to do towards the end, this is about 2017, 2018, is I started bringing some activities to the workplace with my employees that would connect them. And I wanted to show everybody the results that they could get with profitability and productivity through connecting individuals in an authentic way. And that's where I started a little bit more to bring my full self to the workplace. I started incorporating the corporate with the mystic. I don't know if anybody on your show follows astrology, but I'm a Capricorn sun, which is very corporate-y. And I'm a Pisces moon, which is very mystical and watery. And the moon is kind of like who you are like at home. And so that's sort of how I combined corporate mystic together. That's an interesting story. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that with us. Yes, of course. So I wanted to ask you to go back a little bit beyond when you were working in corporate and see if you go back into your childhood, can you think of a couple of incidents from your childhood that made you into the person you are today? I can't think of like one exact incident, but if I think of my childhood, what really comes to mind is having a voice and not having a voice. And I think what my life journey or lesson has been, has been how to properly use my voice, how to properly set boundaries I don't think there was one incident in my childhood per se, but I think overall, I didn't have an opportunity to really exercise my voice. And I would explore that a little bit more. I don't know if it was because I was a girl. (laughs) And that really um, was a learning opportunity for me, especially as a woman in the workplace. Um, We tend to feel like our voice isn't heard as much as maybe a male executive at times. So for me, I think everything surrounding the throat and having a voice has been one of the big lessons for me um, because I don't think I was able to have it as a child. That is something that many women say to me. Really? Yes. It seems men have spoken about being discouraged or being undermined Mm. when they were children, but women often say that they felt they didn't have a voice or that if they did speak, it was really frowned upon or somehow considered inappropriate. So they learned not to try to use it. Yeah, I identify with that quite a bit. Or if you did speak, you know, oh, everything's fine. Just brush it under the rug or, you know, nothing validating with regard to what you did say. Yeah. um, Was my experience like avoidant, avoiding conflict, right? That was something that... Or depth uh, maybe sometimes too. There you go. And what's interesting to me, and this is my personal opinion, and it's been a work in progress my whole life, having a voice and speaking my truth and being able to do so in a loving way, <laughs> right? rather than letting it build up and lashing out, which can happen because we shut things down. It's has- really similar to cultural intelligence when you think about it. So if you go to another country and you try mm-hmm. to figure out how you can fit in and make friends there. Typically, because people don't know the nuances, they move from one extreme to the other. They are very, very quiet. And then they jump out and say something and it seems really abrasive and inappropriate because they don't really understand how to put on the cultural norms so that it fits with them. It's a similar Mm -hmm. process, I think, that you've described. Yeah, very interesting. You were going to say something about that. What were you going to say? 
Oh, well, I was just tying in the whole throat and the speaking and the having a voice. You know, I believe we have an energy body and that if we don't like exactly what you were just saying, work on, you know, not lashing out and speaking and communicating before we get to that point. I think that things like that can manifest in physical ailments. And right around 2010, I had my thyroid removed, which is right around my throat area, which I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, it came back that cancer had been on it. I learned after the fact and I was super lucky and I'm totally fine. But, you know, I had growths on my thyroid and I just don't think for me in particular, I'm sure there's some physical reasons as well. But I do think that manifested in my throat area because it was things that I hadn't cleared from speaking my truth throughout my life as well. Mm hmm. Well, everything physical is your body trying to get you to pay attention to something emotional. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And a very interesting how this has been coming up. So let me ask you a little bit about groups that you were born into, because everybody has to come out of a context. You emerge out of something. I mean, there's your immediate family or families and then everything that grows out of that. You didn't choose. You were just born into it. What would you say has most influenced your sense of culture and self right now? I definitely was born into a middle-class family, hardworking. I think what comes to mind and how it's influenced me today, there's some positives because I have a really strong work ethic, but I also feel that there are learning lessons and things I need to work through. Like I've struggled with perfectionism for quite some time. And that is something that comes from that straight A mentality that you aren't allowed to get anything else but an A in school or, you know, this wasn't verbally said to me, but the underlying implication is you're not worthy if you get a lower grade kind of thing, right? As if um, you had complete control over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody comes from a place where they're trying to do the best they can and as a parent, but... I think for me, when you asked me that question, it's the two-sided thing. It's the work ethic that was really ingrained in me, which I'm super proud of. But then at the same time, it's that double-edged sword. It's the other side of it where it's the perfectionist syndrome that I've had to work with. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about it is if you recognize those things as learning opportunities, Wow. When I left, I, we were talking about this before the interview, when I left my corporate executive job and I started down the path of entrepreneurship, I thought, oh my gosh, I got this. I've got crazy business acumen. I've got the leadership skills. I'm good. It is a whole different journey and path. And if you are a perfectionist, <laughs> this is the cure <laughs> entrepreneurship because you have to constantly take risks and leaps and things are never perfect and you have to move forward or you will be stagnant. And it's probably one of the best cures for perfectionism, I would say. No kidding. If you really want to be faced with perfectionism and the problems it causes, be a business owner. Entrepreneurship is going to, going to have you look at that every day until you deal with it, right? Exactly. <laughs> but there are other groups that you were born into, right? We're all born into a region. So people who live in mountainous regions or ocean regions or cities or rural places, they're all affected by that. Everybody's born into a racial context. There's ethnicity, language, there's religion or not religion, but you mm -hmm. may still be affected by the faith context that surrounds you, mm -hmm. whether or not that's something that you adhere to. Language, 
all of those things. And then there's the, the demographic, the time that you were born and the age, your age group. Anything mm-hmm. jump out from you as a group that has a memory for you? Yeah. So I was born in central California. It's a large farming community and I was born in the mid seventies. I hardly ever tell anybody. (laughs) (laughs) So that definitely influenced my sense of culture and my view of the world to me in hindsight was a bit limited at the time. I was born in a Christian faith-based family and thinking about it with you now, that probably was part of me leaving part of myself at home when I would leave my house because I consider myself very spiritual. I work at it. I feel like it's a practice that I partake in. And some of the things that I do would probably have been frowned upon in the rigid um, Christian faith. So I don't know if that answers your question, but you just got me really thinking about that. And not until I started traveling for my job where I really experienced different cultures, different people, and I was very open to it, that it really helped me expand my worldview. And it actually made me more comfortable in my own skin. And the more comfortable I was in my own skin, the more comfortable other people were in their own skin around me. And that's the feedback I've gotten from quite a few people is they're comfortable being their authentic selves when we interact. And I think it's because it's something I've worked on myself. Self and other awareness go hand in hand. Absolutely. So talking about your rural Christian background, did that affect your sense of leadership? Like I'm thinking that might have affected the way you looked at yourself as a leader in the corporate world, but maybe not. I don't know. I think... It did. I mean, I brought hardworking values to work. I think what really affected my ability as a leader the most was really being a woman in the workplace. And that was really interesting to me, looking at my experiences there, what I was viewed as if I was very competitive, or if I spoke my mind or things like that, that was something that I feel I experienced that maybe a man would experience differently. As far as the Christian-based faith goes, I think it may have subconsciously held me back in sharing my gifts for SQ or spiritual intelligence or connection for fear of judgment. Once I set that aside, (laughs) the doors kind of blew open. Once I didn't care what other people thought, and I knew that I was bringing people together and I wasn't afraid of being judged anymore, that's when the real magic happened. That fear of judgment is so strong, isn't it? It is so strong. It keeps people back their entire lives. And the idea that you have to meet other people's expectations all the time and that those expectations are right, that there's something right about them expecting that from you. It's so limiting, isn't it? It is so limiting. And you just reminded me of when you're saying that when people are afraid of being judged or shamed, I think as well. Um, You reminded me of that Marianne Williamson quote that I know is pretty popular, but it's basically people are afraid to show and to shine their light 
Are you familiar with that? It's the it, one it's, about not hiding yourself under the bushel of it, not being afraid of shining your life. Like, the one that was attributed to Nelson Mandela. But right. it turned out it was Marianne. Yes, yes. It's that I'm one. sorry, I'm just not remember the whole quote, it, but I yes. know which one you mean. Yeah. It's our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure beyond. and it's our light and not our darkness that most that we fear us. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that quote. I go back to that because... I think that is our deepest fear. We're afraid to shine our light because we're afraid that someone else is going to shut us down or judge us or shame us. And a friend of mine who's a fellow executive coach, she, I have to go to her because I love what she says. She says, I'm pretty sure 99%, her name's Becky Morrison. She says, I'm pretty sure 99% of the world feels this way. So just go do what you need to do anyway. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Because everyone feels inadequate at some point because they're afraid to be judged or shamed. But wow, that's a deep one to have courage to move forward with. But when you do, and everyone has their own gentle process, it's very rewarding. When we judge other people, we put them into this small box of experience that we think we understand about them, which is always wrong. So when other people are judging us, it's the same thing. They're saying, this is who you are according to what I understand. And it's always wrong because our assumptions of who other people are is not who they are because we're too big for that. It's like being powerful beyond belief having Mm -hmm. this shining light that you can't contain that. One of the anthropologists that I follow in my coaching practice is Dr. Angelise Arian. And one of her universal communication principles is to tell the truth without blame or judgment. And I think of that often when I'm just interacting with people in life. She studied societies and cultures all over the world. And she found that there were these certain commonalities to bring people together. And, you know, one was show up and choose to be present. Another one was pay attention to what has heart and meaning. And then the other one I just mentioned was tell the truth without blame or judgment. And then the fourth one is be open to outcome, but not attached to outcome. Oh, excellent. Yeah. They're really useful if if everybody followed those principles, which are spiritual (laughs) principles, really. If we followed those principles, what a better world we would be living in right now. I mean, can you imagine if every leader just approached every individual they interacted with just following those four principles? Yeah. Just taking the one about speaking the truth without blame or judgment. You have to be willing to speak it. You have to be willing to acknowledge it, name it, speak it. And as soon as you name something, you become responsible for it. Very true. If people don't want to name a truth, it's because they don't want to be responsible for having anything to do with moving into that next phase of whatever that truth would imply. But if we can detach ourselves Mm -hmm. from that and say, I just named this, for example, racism and Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. to say, I see that racism exists. I acknowledge that it's there. I realize that we are living in a system that causes great injustice to people because of the color of their skin. And you say that without attachment. You Mm. say that without judgment. It's a truth. Mm -hmm. But if you feel you have to fight against that truth, look at all the confusion it causes. Yes. Yeah. Sort of went off on a tangent with that. Very impactful. Yeah. (laughs) And then I was also thinking on the judgment part, if we take a step back, this is a big part of my executive coaching training and practice too, is if we take a step back, and I'm sure your audience may have heard this, is just stay curious. Just make your approach curiosity that immediately takes you out of the judgment space. If you stay curious, 
Dara Feldman says that all the time too. She says, don't get furious, get curious. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard. I mean, we're human. Right. We're, you know, we're experiencing all the human emotions. I heard the other day in one of my SQ classes, you know, if you can maintain inner and outer peace by yourself in a cave meditating all day, just fine. But the true test is when you're out in the world interacting with each other. And that's how we heal is through relationship and interacting with each other. Right. So practicing those principles and staying curious while you're interacting with individuals in the world, I think is the best practice we can do. And I also think that working on yourself is the number one key to healing the world rather than pointing the finger at others. Healing yourself for sure is the key Mm -hmm. for sure. So let's hear a little bit about your temperament. You mentioned it a little bit earlier when you were talking about the signs of the zodiac for yourself. And so what would you say you're born with as far as your temperament is concerned? And then later on, as you face different obstacles and challenges and learned new things in your life, you developed onto that with more personality. So what would you say is temperament for you? You were born like that. So I think my initial temperament that I was born with was very introverted. I was not the little girl on the playground that wanted to run around and be rambunctious and loud with the other kids. I was super happy hiding in my room, reading books all day or playing very quietly. It made me very uncomfortable to have to try to fit in and socialize like that with other kids. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think I was definitely born with that type of temperament. And I don't know if I came out of the womb this way, but I feel like I did. But I, I definitely had some innate fear that I don't know where it came from, but I was very quiet and I seemed to be afraid. And I'm not sure if that was my environment or what I was born with per se. I don't know if it was the nature or the nurture, but I definitely had a little bit of fear as I grew up. And I sort of followed the roadmap that I was supposed to do. You know, you're supposed to go to school, you're supposed to get good grades, you're supposed to go to college, you should be a doctor or a lawyer, or some sort of profession that is respected. And once you check all those boxes, you'll be a fulfilled whole human being. (laughs) Mm Well, the universe did not have that plan for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I've discovered for me is if you are going down the wrong path that is not meant for you, you'll get a few taps on your shoulder from the universe that says, hey, this is not where you're supposed to be going. And if you say, I'm good, I got this, you're wrong. And you don't listen to your intuition and you keep going down that road and they tap you again and they say, hey, this is not meant for you. (laughs) And you push it aside because of what your environment tells you you're supposed to be. Eventually, the universe stops tapping you on the shoulder. And I don't know if this is too harsh for the show, but I can't think of something else, but you'll get slapped across the face. Like, hey, you need to listen. Yeah. Or you'll just be knocked right down. Or maybe you'll be run right over. And I think there's a saying that, you know, if you don't hear the universe when it whispers, it's going to scream. Mm-hmm. 
And that happened to me quite a few times. And I'm sure it happens to everyone in life. We all go through struggles. Like I, I was just talking to a coachy uh, this morning about the hero's journey and the fool's journey. And that's how we learn to appreciate the dark and the light in our lives. But I think that when we disregard what we're supposed to be doing authentically in our lives is when sort of the landmines start going off. <laughs> and for me, that was making a poor personal relationship choice, almost dying in the hospital. Um, those were some wake up calls for me. Mm -hmm. So then you would have emerged into some things that you adopted into your personality. It sounds to me like you were pretty mystical from this get go. You had a rich inner life. You learned to listen to a lot of inner promptings, mm -hmm. you know, when you were younger. And then I don't know what happened later on, if that was reinforced and built on or turned off or something new came out of it. But what emerged after that? That's really cool that you recognize that. I haven't had anybody mention that about the inner world when I was a child. So thank you for that. I think I've been able to express myself more now as I've gotten older and grown. I really think the leadership opportunities I had in the corporate world helped me with that. And so what I was able to do is bring my internal world out using the leadership presence I learned as an executive and sort of marry those two together. Mm -hmm. And then here I am on the show today speaking to you. And two weeks ago, I did tarot on video as a group coaching. And it's something I would have never, <laughs> like I just talked about the environment that I grew up in. You know, you go to this, you do this, you go to college, you get a job. It has to be a good one that's recognized. And here I tell my parents, I'm quitting my job independently of my own choice. And I'm going to go travel. And then I'm here I started this company called Create Magic at Work. And it's sort of like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening right now? So um, very interesting, but very fulfilling. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so can you tell me about a time when you became aware that, well, actually, you already have in a way, it was about your inner world and realizing that you couldn't actually bring that fully into the corporate space or that the corporate space was not something you could bring into other areas. But is there a time when you became aware that your understandings of how things worked in the world were specific to your culture and not just normal? I mean, you also mm. talked about that with you just now, talking about your parents going, what? Yeah. So that was kind of, a, in a way, kind of a culture shock for your parents because right. you, you had time to grow into it, but they're going, what the heck? What's she talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there are times when you run up against something, you go, you know, what I thought was the way things were is just my own whole understanding coming from a group that mm -hmm. I grew up with. And if I would have grown up in some other place, I would be understanding this differently. Oh, gosh, there's so many. There's so many. My first thought went to the Christian faith-based home I grew up in and what's right and what's wrong. And some of the things I was told, you know, because we're told what's right and wrong as we're growing up for the most part, and we don't make those decisions and we just follow what we're told, what's bad, what's good. We could get really out there and talk about some of those teachings, right? Which maybe led to me shutting down a little bit before I wanted to share my intuitive gifts that I think also led me to the enlightening moment that we are all one. 
we're all the same, yet we're all so different. But maybe just some of those teachings that separate people. I, for To me, anything that's fear-based or anything that separates someone as good or bad is very divisive and is not something that I would subscribe to as someone that believes that we are all one human race. And so you came into that realization and that may have been a shock to others or a shock to you or something you just grew into your family and growing up in in a religious framework. People often, Mm -hmm. either they accept it and say, that's where I am, uh, or they don't, and they have a lot of negative things to say about it. But a framework Mm -hmm. is necessary. For example, if we didn't know that when we're driving down the road, if we stay on the right side and the other cars are going to stay on the left side, we would all be in danger all the time. And so some of the frameworks that give us a standard from within which we can move and discover other things are necessary. And people who don't ever have any framework have difficulty discovering spirituality because the framework is also not necessarily a constraint. It's also a door. Yes, that's so true. I love your analogy that everyone needs a framework like driving, especially when you're growing up, you do need to know a little bit between right and wrong. I think when it gets to the point where maybe what we talked about before, where you're judging others. Or where you're mixing your own ideas about judgment with what's right or wrong. If you're thinking of right as being what's going to be helpful to me, others on the planet, and wrong as being what's going to be harmful to me, others on the planet, that's a pretty simple framework. But if you start judging people and saying, you know, you then you're starting to create harm. Yeah, because when you start judging, you're separating. Mm-hmm. You're saying, I am not like them. And that makes me feel better for this reason. That's a good way of putting it. That judgment is separation. I like that. Yeah. I think that just hit me with our conversation. It helps you f- in some way feel safer. It's almost like um, I was in some trauma-informed group coaching this year about regulating our nervous system and things like that. And I think that's what it's doing is it's producing a false sense of safety within the body and within yourself that, no, I'm not like them and I'm judging them because of this. And maybe it goes back to what we were talking about before, how deep inside that individual might actually be afraid to let their light shine. Yeah, because... If I have to make others understandable, that's because I'm making myself understandable. And we're all so much bigger than that. Yeah, but we're afraid to be big sometimes, aren't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so maybe the benefit of the framework is that we can see where we can expand or contract it as we grow. But with no framework, you don't feel that you have roots. And if you only have the framework, you never see the horizon. Yeah, I love that. Because it does give you a jumping off point to um, dabble into what fits for you, as long as it stays healthy and (laughs) non-judgmental. Yeah, or it doesn't turn into some addictions or something like that, where people are delusional about stuff for themselves. Um, So yeah, that was kind of a interesting rabbit hole there. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but it was good. (laughs) So now that we're getting close to the end of the interview, and I I wanted to ask you about, you know, people are going to come to you because they want coaching, or they feel that they need to have more purpose and meaning in their lives, or they need to explore some aspect of themselves or become more integrated in the way that they approach their jobs. I imagine they're coming to you for all of those reasons and many more. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them about what's the best way to work with you, with Amy? What do you need to be at your best with people? In order for me to be my best with people as a coachee, I would say trust. If you're showing up to me with trust, trust the process. And then also don't be afraid to 
show who you really are and let's uncover that together because we all wear lots of masks, right? And as we work through our life, hopefully we keep taking them off and finding the true inner being of who we are. I like to work with coaches that are looking for higher meanings, looking to improve their ability to access the unconscious aspects of themselves and live a richer and more creative life. What if in the process of that, they suddenly become blinded by their own light and they become scared? Mm. That's the telling the truth without blame or judgment piece that comes in that I think we all have a duty as coaches to compassionately listen and then name when that happens. I had a coachee, obviously everything's confidential, so I won't say the name, (laughs) but they, you know, one naming moment, they said, I know something's wrong with me right there. That's a moment that they're getting afraid to shine their own light. So as a coach, call that out. Hey, I I noticed you said you have something wrong with you that needs to be explored. How can you let that go? I've had moments myself that were named. I was using a word quite a bit that I think words are very powerful. I was saying the word betrayal a lot and I didn't notice it. My mentor coach pointed it out to me. I went and wrote what the word betrayal means to me under the full moon And I let it go and I lit it on fire. And I was like, I'm done with this and I'm done with this word and I'm done with this word having power over me. So again, we a little bit went a little bit down a rabbit hole again, but yeah, show up with an open attitude to want to grow in your spiritual intelligence. Because what that does is if you improve your SQ, it gives you an ability to think outside the box. It gives you humility and we can access energies together that come from beyond the ego and come from just beyond your day-to-day concerns. Yeah, you're moving from the ego to the soul. Absolutely. Yeah, really cool. That was great. I would love to try this idea of taking a word that's been showing up and then saying, you know, I've thought it through and now I'm going to burn what that previously meant to me and Mm -hmm. give it up to the moon. I really love this idea. That sounds like a great Mm -hmm. thing to do. It's an amazing thing to do. And there's a full moon. Um, I mean, you can pick any full moon that's coming up because the full moon is a great time to release And sometimes it takes a coach in the workplace and your life to point that out. We all have blind spots. We're not immune. I had no idea I was saying that word over and over until it was pointed out to me. And it's helpful to have a mirror, isn't it? So helpful. And the release that I had doing that was, I mean, I'm in a much better place today for it. I want to ask you a little science question here because I'm just wondering. I don't know this, so feel free to laugh. When the moon (laughs) is full, What is it doing to the tide? I actually don't know the answer to that. Because it does affect the tide, right? It always does. The cycles of the moon affect the tides in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And because we're composed of salt water, just like the ocean is, and our blood is salty, and we have the same components that the ocean does, so we are definitely affected by that. So I'm just wondering what exactly happens to the ocean at a full moon. I'm going to have to look that up because that's really starting to intrigue me now. That's a great question because when you find out how it affects the tide then you can also do personal growth rituals surrounding that as well. I mean, you can create your own rituals of release and intention setting. I'm big on both of those with the moon cycles, Mm -hmm. Um, but I haven't explored how it affects the tides. So that would be something interesting to look into too, and maybe incorporate with what you're doing. 
Because women's menstrual cycles are affected by the cycles of the moon. Yes. Yeah. So like, there's just an awful lot of connections here. I'm going to have to look this up now. I'm like getting really curious about it. <laughs> it looks like, don't quote me, but it looks like at the new moon or the full moon, the tides range is at its maximum. Hmm. So there you go. So it, it's a buildup of energy that you can release one way or another is the way I'm interpreting that. So on the new moon, that buildup of, of the energy, it is intention setting. What do you want to bring into your life? Then as it goes, you can release on the full moon. What do you really, what do you want to release from all of that energy? Hmm, I love this idea. And you can do that. I do that in the corporate workspace quite a bit. I mean, you can do it with goal setting. You can do it with deep life moments, but you can also just do it with goal setting at work. I mean, it can be incorporated all over the spectrum. Very cool. I love it. So listen, here's your moment to promote something. And what would you like to promote? Well, I just would love for everyone to visit uh, my website, createmagicatwork.net. And if you want to be a magic maker, I have a membership group where you just get fun tools uh, for the workplace or to use with a coachee. Just little things that kind of open up EQ and SQ, like the intention setting kit. I have one where that you can light on fire and it flies up into the air. <laughs> I want I one of those. Other, <laughs> oh, I will definitely give you one. I have all kinds of fun stuff like that. I'm coming out with a journal prompt card line based on the tarot and it's specifically for the workplace. So create magic at work.net. You can find my book, which my book has all of the activities in it um, for reference. So wow. it's available everywhere on Amazon. And Well, that sounds like it would be very useful for people who are leading teams and meetings and just for people's own personal development and their, their interpersonal their relationships. Yeah, it's definitely a cool book just to have on your desk and just flip through. And what am I going to do today in a meeting that'll bring someone together, bring everyone together? And then it's just a great foundation to spark your own creativity and tweak your own activities that are individual to you as well. So it's called Create Magic at Work. Create magic at work. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful. I'm going to have to get a copy of that. So that's wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Yeah. If you want to work with me, I do some fun mystical gatherings. I do one-on-one -on -one executive coaching, and then I also do group coaching. So that's also on createmagicatwork.net. And I really hope we brought some thoughtful value to your audience today. And I wish everybody magic in their lives. Oh, I think we could all use a lot more magic right now, being in the pandemic as we are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amy, for spending this time and for exploring some of those rabbit holes that we both uh, went down. <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast community. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sending magic to everyone. Thank you. Amy Lynn Durham lived a divided life where her rich inner self and her outer corporate self never met. It was only after life circumstances made her rethink herself in context that she began to incorporate some of her spiritual and emotional practices into team building and saw the results they had on the people she was in charge of managing. From health challenges that resulted in her almost losing her life, Amy decided to move from the corporate world success to entrepreneurial success as she learned to negotiate the business landscape as an executive coach, bringing her business acumen, spiritual intelligence, SQ, and emotional intelligence, EQ, to the table as her whole self and in her own voice, 
Amy has successfully guided other divided self-executives to their own paths of authenticity and purpose. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Culture and Leadership Connections podcast and may culture and leadership connections continue to guide and inspire your day. This podcast would not be possible without the expertise of our Culture and Leadership Connections production team. A big thank you and shout out to Mike Kurlander for audio production and editing. To Malvika Kathpal for the show notes. Bernadette Guadiz for online web and social media management and promotions. Celine Bayogo for design. And Kirsten Hoyer for website and branding. Thank you so much. Hey, Culture and Leadership Connections podcast listeners. Do you love these insightful and moving interviews published twice monthly for your listening pleasure? You may not know that it costs between $300 and $500 per month to pay for our podcast episodes. Shocking, but true. Well, now you can help support this podcast by showing your love with a little skin in the game real money on the Patreon website. For as little as $5 or as much as $50 a month, you can contribute to keep culture and leadership connections alive and healthy. Your donation is invaluable in helping us connect the hearts and minds of people across cultures and professions for happier and more humane workplaces. I know you will call on your inner generosity, knowing that your contribution is a practical demonstration of love and support. Check out the patreon.com slash culture and leadership connections page to see what subscription level feels right for you and find out about the special loyalty perks at each patron level. That's spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N patreon.com slash culture and leadership connections. Thank you for your generosity.